0: hello everybody and welcome back to the for the well of it podcast i'm so excited to be back for another episode with you today and today i have yet another special guest I like to call this person my brand new best friend. We only met a few weeks ago, but we hit it off, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. And I'm so happy to introduce my friend, Stephanie. Stephanie is a proud member of the 2S LGBTQ plus community and her pronouns are she, her and hers. Stephanie is CEO of Diversity NL, which she started in 2020, following her passion as an innovator who helps organizations implement inclusive policies and strategies. Her mantra is that high-performance teams have three secret ingredients, diversity, inclusivity, and belonging. These teams outperform by 20%, creating work cultures and breaking down silos, enhancing productivity, idea generation, and revenue growth. Stephanie provides organizations with strategic planning, which includes everything from bathrooms to boardrooms. She provides DEI lively panel discussions, benchmarking, and workforce training and development sessions to organizations on topics related to 2s plus 101, unconscious bias, gender-inclusive language and pronouns, business case for DEI and DEI strategies, and much more. She coaches CEOs, individuals, and organizations, helping them progress their diversity, equity, and inclusion. Stephanie has a Master's of Social Work degree from Memorial University and contributes success to following her passion. She is a proud fur mama of two fur babies and loves getting out in nature for walks with her wife and her four-legged treasures. Welcome, Stephanie.
1: Thanks. I'm so delighted to be here, Jill.
0: I'm so excited to have you. So I'm going to tell the little story about how we met. We were both um, seated at a table together at a fundraiser about, that's almost a month ago now, I think. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And the only person between you and I was our mutual friend, Jennifer Bissell, who yeah. is CEO of ENLO, which is Newfoundland and Labrador Organization of Women Entrepreneurs. And Jennifer made a comment. I hadn't met you or your wife. to this, I, met, I mean, that evening I had met you, but prior to this event, I hadn't. And Jennifer made a comment as she sat between us and said, you know, this is why I love working with entrepreneurs, because you two are so fiery about what you do. She said, and, and I think we got into a discussion about how when you love what you do, every day is fun. And Mondays are great. And I think it was around that Monday piece that Jennifer said, this is what fires me up about being, um, being surrounded by people following their passion. At that time, I did not realize, as I said to you later on email, I knew I was surrounded by greatness, but I did not realize that you were the CEO of Diversity NL, which is taking the province by storm and so very needed and so impressive. And I have so much respect for what you do. So I'm so happy to have you here and I'm so happy to be friends. Absolutely. I mean, we are besties after all. We are besties. I mean, you do all the things I love. For example, you brought a selfie stick. (laughs) <laughs> to the event. You had a bag of props for selfies. I mean, it was just love at first sight.
1: <laughs> right? How could it not be?
0: I mean, and I feather think boas. Our, I, yeah, feather boas and I think our selfie at the Christmas tree just blew up LinkedIn then the day after. <laughs> it did indeed. How could it not? We, and we had a beautiful entourage. We did. We did. What a group of women that night. I had so much fun. Then when I got home, my face was sore. From smiling and laughing like it was just the best night and it was a, it was in support of Indigenous women in the arts, which was a lovely, lovely cause as well. Absolutely.
1: Persistence Theatre. It was amazing. Um, we had so ma- Yeah, we had so many great people there. The entertainment from Eastern Owl to Sheila Williams um, to the, the coordination of it was absolutely amazing. What, what a fantastic event to support.
0: It wasn't very, very, very powerful at times. I mean, I cried, I laughed, I was speechless. It was just an incredible night. I look forward to it again next year. It was my first time. Yeah, ours
1: too. And it was amazing and I loved it. And it would have been the first formal event that we've gone to since the pandemic.
0: Well, that's a good point. I find that the more that I get out in the business community, the more connections that I'm making to people who are also passionate about what they do. And I just feel like I feel like recently more than ever, I'm in all the right rooms. I'm getting connected to people that inspire me so much. And you being one of those people. But yeah, there hasn't been, I guess this year is the real first year of all these events coming back because last year not much of that was happening really.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was it was amazing and great to be surrounded by a room full of powerhouse women and and diverse folks, and I think it was I think the race it, it was it was karma meant to be. So, Absolutely, uh, I think yeah. there
0: was a lot of alignment, a lot yeah, yeah. A lot of attraction was very strong there. And the outfits, the getups, every oh. single person in there just just fire. <laughs> so Absolutely, there's a lot of sequence going on. There was, was a lot amazing. of sequence. There were a lot of killer yes. suits. There were a lot mm-hmm. of shoes. There was a lot of great stuff happening. I loved every minute of it. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, I also discovered that one of my best friends in the whole world and you are closely connected, Leanne. Oh, Oh, she was my work wife. That's exactly (laughs) what she said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because I saw her comment on our Facebook post. (laughs) And uh, I said, oh my goodness, you know, my best (laughs) friend, I said that to my best friend, Leanne and Leanne said, oh, she was my work wife for such a long time. She said the exact same thing. How wonderful. And then, yeah. And then she told me you were a social worker Mm -hmm. Um, and she's a nurse. My friend Leanne is. Yes. So why don't you tell me, first of all, I I wasn't even really sure where I wanted to start this discussion, but first of all, why don't you tell me what diversity means? What's your take on diversity?
1: So to me, diversity is really that alignment in workplace of looking at who's within your workplace setting. What Mm -hmm. does that look like for you? So it looks like historically excluded groups are they represented? Like that's the diversity. It's the richness. You know, who do you have in there? Do you have caregivers? People who are neurodiverse? People Mm -hmm. who are gender diverse? Looking at the whole spectrum of. Who's within your workplace or organization or friends? Like, what does that look like when you surround yourself by five people? You know, what are those five faces that look like to you? You know, who sits around your your boardroom table? What does that look like? Is diversity represented? And, and how diverse is that?
0: Yeah, because each individual in any space has so much to offer if mm-hmm. they have the ability to have voice, right? Yeah. So is being able to give that voice, just not asking a person to sit
1: at the table, is are we giving them that respect and that ability to be able to, to speak up and speak out? Because that's um, it might be easier for you and I who have a platform, um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm a social work background, so I'm, I'm a strong advocate for people in general, and you're a strong advocate as well for, for mental health, for wellness, and all these wonderful things which have been created over the past years. Um, but not everyone has that ability to speak up and speak out. And that's, I think, is a rarity. And to be able to invite people to the table and say, you have a cheer, but you have your voice. We want to hear from you. Yeah. And making sure we check in with people to make sure that they have that ability to, to speak out and just, you know, to have their words heard, not just said, but to actually people to hear what they're saying.
0: And to know that they're valued and they're respected yeah. and that they're part of the greater whole that makes the world go around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, in every workplace, it doesn't look like that. Um, so it's and sometimes we have that build that chair, we have that build that table. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's a lot of hard work to be able to do that. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, us as the historically excluded groups. So um, just to talk about historical exclusion. So mm-hmm. we're talking about five groups, we're talking about women we're talking about indigenous, we're talking about persons with disabilities, we're talking about racialized minorities, and we're also talking about the 2SLGBTQ community. So when we look at that, like how are people feeling included within workplaces or within gyms or settings or within communities that we've created? You know, what does that look like for everyone?
0: Yeah. I mean, I can only speak for, in my career, I'm so familiar with that gym space, that fitness space, but it's an extremely vulnerable space for many, Mm -hmm. many different reasons. And a lot of it stems back to these, these groups that have felt underrepresented or not felt have been underrepresented over the years. So what led you to this work? I know you're a social worker by education Mm -hmm. and by career. So tell, tell us a little bit about your journey to hair.
1: Yeah. So I spent 19 years within the healthcare setting and I really enjoyed my job. i I, I spent it from rural communities to, into St. John's again and you know born bred ghouls mm-hmm. and so ghouls rules ghouls so like rules. it's always right it's always that yearning to to be back to um, for a lot of people to be back to home to be back to that area where you grew up so to me the draw was getting back into St. John's and um, being able to practice what I'm passionate at in town so um, my last of my career I spent in uh, nursing Um, so being a nursing manager in long-term care and when I was there I was very passionate about Um, educating and creating um, pride committees within long-term care setting. Um, So the long-term care setting I worked at, we had, you know, the first pride committee in all of long-term care within Atlantic Canada. So I don't think people really think about who's within your workplace and communities all the time. Mm -hmm. Who are the residents? You know, what does that represent? So I I always say, I don't think people thought about people were gay before I went there and started talking about we need to raise flags, we need to be celebrating people in general. Um, But I was passionate about that piece of the work. And that was, you know, part of my portfolio that I did as a nursing manager. um, And I absolutely loved it. That was the work that I loved. So it didn't feel like work. So you did it sometimes on weekends, you did it, you know, evenings, because as we know, you know, work overflows, not into the nine to five job, or, you know, becomes the eight to seven, like, you know, but I really loved it. And I was passionate about it. And my wife, who's an entrepreneur herself in her own right, and she loved what she was doing, you know, came out of oil and gas, came out of, you know, big business and, and, you know, developed her own sales training. So for me, she said, you know, you love this, why don't you do it? And so, so I thought, you know, I don't know, I'm kind of locked in and I've kind of fallen into where my parents were, you know, government employees, I have to stay for the pension. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but right. I know. So you feel locked in is like, well, but you know, I love this work. So, really if it doesn't feel like work or a job we call it here it's it's a job so um like let's do it so i think three days my resignation went in before the pandemic started um so then i started (laughs) creating
0: (laughs) so i started creating shift shift.
1: (laughs) yeah no kidding so i started creating and my friends said well you don't have all the spare time and i said well imagine walking into your work and your desk is empty and you start creating policies you start forming networks, you start reaching out to people and people have been amazing about their time within Newfoundland and Labrador over the past almost three years now. Just you know, giving up time, having conversations. Um, I've done a ton of research. Um, I've collaborated with some 30 different organizations and workplaces. I've given talks in a whole bunch of different places. So this was definitely my passion and my place and I haven't looked back since. And I absolutely love connecting with new people connecting with female entrepreneurs and gender diverse and just yeah. seeing like there's so many different organizations here that i never knew existed when you start opening up your networks and your eyes and starting meeting people and going out and i guess embracing life which is what we've done
0: yeah exactly and there's something because you and i are on a similar path there's there's really magic in you making a, like a business or a career or a day-to-day thing based on passion. Like it's, it's indescribable really. Cause when my alarm goes off at four 30, it's not hard. It's not hard to get up and do what I do every day. and I know that you're exactly the same. And that's so wonderful. Look what you've created. And obviously, there's been a, there is a real need for this. And when I think about in terms of diversity, and first of all, I have to say for I want to put this out there, and I, I've said this on a previous podcast we did on a similar topic, I am a student of life. So I want to learn. I want to be corrected if I say something that's not, correct, or if I need to be educated on something, my mind is wide open to that. So I really appreciate the work that people like you do, like you're out there making a difference. And I think for a lot of companies or a lot of businesses or a lot of people, I think that we recognize and we know that diversity needs to be more, it needs to be more prominent in all the spaces and rooms that we gather in. But how do we get there? Like, where do we start? What would you say to that? So I would say,
1: know your know your metrics. Yeah. So if you're in an organization that's bigger than 10 people, mm-hmm. um, 10 people, you probably know your metrics, yeah. you know, you, you know, people on an individual basis. And I'm finding that we're not always connecting in with people. We don't have those individual connections, which every single person wants. Yeah. We want for people to check in with us and say, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? Mm-hmm. So we find, I find within bigger organizations that we don't know our people, um, we don't know how to support them. So if you don't know your metrics, who's in them, when you're starting to measure some of these things. How do you know? How do you support people? How do you know who's caregivers? How do you know who's neurodivergent? How do you know who has a disability? Right. How do you know? Unless you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So unless you start measuring these things and unless you start doing some benchmarkings and some work around it, um, which is not overly costly, um, you know, like, you know, doing some of these things. And then you can start forming your your employee resource groups, your DEI committees, your pride, your, your, you know, different committees within organizations that are there to truly make a difference.
0: Yeah. And really lift people up when they need it and and open those conversations too, because it's really time that everybody had a voice and that everybody felt equal. So for companies that contract you to the beginning of that, it's just discussing the people, discussing communication tactics. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. Discussing. So I do everything from one-off sessions on the the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion within workplaces to um, gender inclusive language and pronouns, um Unconscious bias training, a whole bunch of different trainings, uh, basically helping people become vulnerable and helping them become open, which is really tough for people. So yeah. you know, letting them know that we're gonna have some tough conversations that you've never ever had before around your boardroom table. and yeah. you're gonna make mistakes, and it's okay to make mistakes because we have to start somewhere. I think that's
0: a key one. I think people are, they're open to it, but sometimes afraid to make mistakes. You don't want to, you don't want to hurt feelings or you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. That's never, um, that's never a goal. Can you maybe, let's take a few minutes and explain pronouns because Mm -hmm. I think it's a very, very important thing. We all use our pronouns now, but I think people maybe don't people who are either new to, to stating pronouns such as myself may not understand exactly what you're reading, what you're saying, or why you're saying it. Can you give us a rundown?
1: Sure. So I always, you know, start by introducing myself because people say, well, how do I do it to make it more normal? Like so that I can do it every day. So I always say, my name is Stephanie Hallett. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. So I go by feminine pronouns. So there's two types of pronouns. There's gendered and ungendered pronouns. So gendered are what would be considered male or female pronouns. So female, she, her, and hers male pronouns are he him and his Mm -hmm. uh the gender neutral pronouns or ungendered pronouns would be they them and their so i guess the thing is is that every single person's pronouns are very individual so never make assumptions always ask introduce yourself with your pronouns and always ask because if we're going to make an assumption because someone has long hair or because their voice is a certain way we're probably going to make mistakes sometimes right because we make assumptions based on people's looks all the time, whether they're male or female, right. for instance. Right. We don't consider that someone might be non-binary. Someone might be transgender. Right. So all these things are assumptions that we make. So by asking, it puts it out there and it's very respectful.
0: I think that allows um, a real openness. Just, just to ask. It's okay to ask. What yeah. are your pronouns? My name is Jill. My pronouns are she, her. And yeah. what's your name? What are your pronouns? Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I think, I think that removes a barrier right away because you're not left uncomfortable and unsure or misgendering somebody when you don't want to do that either.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it's just respectful. I mean, that's the piece. So I always use it on zoom calls. I use it in meetings. Um, so I talked to a lot of managers and a lot of CEOs and executives that are, you know, not comfortable with it because They haven't learned about it. They don't know. They don't want to make mistakes. That's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing. So I think by normalizing, by saying it on a daily basis, you get to know. And more importantly, it's respectful of people. So when you're talking about them in a fabulous way about an employee, you have their correct pronouns, correct usage.
0: Yeah. I know we always collect when we do retreats and things, we always collect the pronouns as well as the names and meal issues or anything like that. And we have it on the name tag. We have the pronouns as well. And that's been really, really helpful. Getting to know somebody, you know, their name and you know, their pronouns as if it's, it's, it is the two most important pieces in getting to know somebody. Absolutely.
1: So the other thing is preferred name or just name. So there's differences. You're given Mm -hmm. name, you know, what your parents would have called you versus Um, I I don't like saying preferred name, but I'll refer to it as that because your name is your name because not everyone goes by their given name for many different reasons. So having that piece on there as well brings it up another notch and it lets people be more open to who they are.
0: Right. And is that because perhaps their preferred name is not the name on their official documents? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Or because many different reasons people change their names. I know that my parents sometimes go by, you know they've gone by the middle names and Friends have gone by middle names or um, you've taken on a different name because of a whole bunch of different life situations or maybe you're transitioning. So just by putting that there, give a name versus, uh, you know, name, um, it gives or preferred name in brackets, the preferred in brackets name, because your name is your name, just opens up that conversation more for people.
0: Yeah, that's a really good tip. And we've come so far. I mean, I know when I'm 43 years old, so I know when I was young. This was not even a discussion, unfortunately, right? And we have come so far, but we have so much further to go. Do you do any work with schools or youth?
1: So I've had a lot of conversations with, I've done post-secondary work Mm -hmm. with schools. Um, So I've had some conversations most recently with some school boards talking about some of this information and things. And I think they're finding finding it a little bit overwhelming. Um, So when you think about a teacher, so if you graduated some 21 years ago or 25 years ago, Um, these things weren't discussed. And we just expect our guidance counselors, our teachers and everyone to know this information. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they get a certain amount of training, but probably not where it needs to be. And they're certainly looking at how do they become more inclusive with their training? How do they start? Um, So, because we have a lot of schools, almost, you know, 250 schools within Mm -hmm. Newfoundland and Labrador. So that's a lot of training, a lot of teachers, a lot of bus drivers, a lot of people, right? Like, just look at the touch points. My my conversation, yeah. I said, how many touch points do we have of people who have, um, you know, communications with the children on a daily basis? And it's quite a few. Yeah. So look at educating every single one of those people. So that's going to take a bit of time. And those are certainly things that they're looking at, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah. And I know two of my three kids, my youngest is only in grade two, but two of my three kids have experienced friends over the years that have transitioned gender. Mm-hmm. And it has really been a non-issue for for my children and their friends in accepting this. Like the teachers Mm -hmm. have been so wonderful in explaining, you know, this friend has something to say. And then the friend will say, I now identify as male and my preferred name is, and, the kids are just like that. It's like, it's done. I asked my son Hunter about it. And I said, how do you feel about, you know, are you comfortable with saying the pronouns? And, and do you feel like, okay, and safe in that space that you're not making mistakes or hurting feelings? He said, oh yeah, it was easy. I just go by what he says he is, <laughs> which is, isn't yeah. that exactly yeah. what we want?
1: 100%. That's but we cool. only have, four, we only have 40 years to make up for, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right? right?
1: So, so that's an unfortunate right. piece that we have. We have this time in between to make up because we were, we were raised in denominational school systems within Newfoundland and Labrador. I was raised within a Catholic school system. So it was like I would never have come out when I was in that school system because it was against my religion, against my values, against the way I was brought up. So I didn't come out until I was 31 and a half years old. Is that right? right? Like late coming out in life. And I wish I could have come out in high school or younger when I knew when I was quite young that I was gay, that I was lesbian, that I knew that I was different. I knew I wasn't like other kids in the sense of, you know, they're dating the opposite sex. It's like I didn't have that attraction. So then, but you kind of push that down as a young person because it's against your value set, right? Everything in the Bible that we were taught as Catholic was, this was against my religion. So very tough. So, you know, being brought up that way. And of course, the infamous question is. Uh, do you have a boyfriend right in our house or, or, you know, you you see your relatives different occasions. It's just like, no. And then, but like, you couldn't come out. Like it wasn't that safe space back then to come out. So I'm, I'm 47. So that space safe, that safe space didn't exist with any of the communities that I was involved with at the time.
0: Yeah. And that's just not fair. And I think that's something yeah. that we all need to consider here because yeah. It's what I talk about all the time. We should live into our true selves. We're not supposed to be changed or quote unquote fixed. We are yeah. who we are. And we need to be that person and we need to be in rooms and spaces and around people that support who we are. And if 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 your circle of people are not cheering on who you are, then they're not your circle of people. Absolutely. But we all have to work towards that a little bit more, I think. How do you yeah. want to share a little bit about that or does that feel too personal about the coming? No. Up?
1: No, I mean, I I, I played hockey and um, uh, for many, many years within the Eastern Edge Women's Hockey League, which is absolutely amazing, by the way. Um, well, were, I, they, I figure skating because that's what <laughs>
0: girls did like in Conception Bay South in the 80s. Like, You know what I mean? I wish I had played hockey. <laughs> I played hockey when I was a kid, actually. I think it was one
1: awesome. of the first females to play hockey in Newfoundland and Labrador, and it had to go to a vote. Um, whether you're allowed a female, cause a female didn't play hockey. It was against that the law. like crazy. Like that is bad thing. <laughs> it went to a vote. Like, could I play hockey and one other girl play hockey at the same time? And we ended up playing hockey on an all boys team. So then it was talked about, do, does she need a separate dressing room?
0: Okay. So funny. I'm familiar with hockey. I have three children who play hockey. I didn't realize a penis was part of the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> it went to a vote
1: oh goodness oh jills were hard to come by back then (laughs) yeah that's true
0: jocks were everywhere jills were absolutely
1: exactly so but yeah i mean like growing up you know played hockey um loved it and then of course when i was you know the age of getting your period my parents you know pulled me out of hockey because they thought that you know maybe it wasn't gonna be safe and then there was body checking and all these things so and then when i became an adult and couldn't afford to pay myself i i started when i came back to st john's and absolutely loved it and um of course I had some some great allies and people who were part of the community that played hockey and um created a safe space for me and you know I came out when you would have met my beautiful wife Carol um so that was you know the first coming out when I met her it's like I knew we were going to be married which is funny on day one when we met I absolutely knew it and we were married so we've been together since uh 2007 so married married since 2013 right beautiful yeah
0: How did how did you and Carol meet uh, so we would have met
1: at a, a it's called a, a spring fling. So one of the hockey parties.
0: Nice.
1: She- <laughs> yes. So she started playing hockey because she wanted to spend Friday nights with me, but she, <laughs> learned, how to, she learned how to play. <laughs> so, but then she quit shortly after because she, she preferred reading books in the, in the, in the warm room instead. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So she played for four years.
0: <laughs> nice. Good for so, her. she, yeah, she yeah. was chasing you. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you eventually found that safe space. And now look at you paving the way for all these other people. There's just so much work to be done in this space. And it's so exciting to see somebody so passionate about it. So Diversity NL, tell me about your setup. Tell me about how, do you have a, a whole team now? How is this working? Or is it just you, one, so, one woman yeah. show?
1: Yeah, so I, I when I started, I guess, working with different companies, they started wondering about all the, I guess, um, equity deserving groups, And I started forming partnerships with a whole bunch of different organizations throughout Newfoundland and Labrador. And so it's it is primarily me. But when I do panel discussions, I pull in uh, from other other persons. Um, uh, Carol has been our our podcast moderator because she's the podcast moderator for Tech and L and she has a great voice for it. So she's she's easy for me to book and connect in with. So (laughs) she has been our our moderator for those. So we've had some panel discussions uh, over the summer, for instance, with Tech and L. Uh, it was a great discussion, and some hopefully some more in the, in, in the in the new year. Um, you know, lots of different proposals out to organizations to hopefully get to do some work in that area. Um, so basically, for me, it's a lot of learnings about what I don't know. So on a daily basis, mm-hmm. I'm always reading something. I'm always um, looking at people's podcasts. I'm always looking at you know what's out there locally, what's out there throughout Canada and throughout the U.S. Just trying to improve upon you know what I offer different organizations to make sure that everything is is this is the same research I'm following it's the looking at trends looking at uh, best practices um I work with other partnerships with different folks that are consultants as well on different things so it's it's been really interesting and I, I absolutely love it
0: yeah that's a very that's very similar to my model too like it's you know I kind of run the show over here but I pull in the professionals that I need to help I say I'm trying to assemble the Avengers over here. So my clinical psychologist (laughs) and my registered dietitian and chef and yoga instructor and all of that to kind of create that whole wellness package. So that, and that makes the world go round too, because these people are all very, very successful in their areas of expertise. So we really genuinely support each other and what we do. And that's what really elevates everybody at the end of the day, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Pulling in and looking at people that can, you can surround yourself by that are passionate about what they do and are successful in their own rights is I mean, I think it's all about promotion. And unfortunately, I find with women, sometimes within organizations that I've been involved with, it's we've been pitted against one another and we felt like we're not able to support one another. So I find, you know, with me, is, that's, it's not like that. There's plenty of work for everyone to go around. Um, it's all about how do we, if there's someone that needs something, um, this is an organization to promote. This is, this is different uh, people to volunteer with. This is different charities that need your work right? Like these are different areas, like for instance, Quadrangle NL. Yeah, Uh, We're trying to get a community center within Newfoundland and Labrador. And, you know, we need people to start supporting that. We're probably the only, um, we are the only historically excluded group that doesn't have a community center within Newfoundland and Labrador, which is just absolutely just, I I can't believe that we don't have that here. You know, we have, you know, over 500,000 people and about 13% of our population or more are part of this community, yet we don't have a building here. Right. So this is something passionate, like any time an organization saying, who can we give to I'm like Quadrangle NL, please. Yes. Like we need to have that. You know, we need to have that support because the suicide rates are so high for people. Um, like start looking at that. So it's definitely a, a passion of mine to start recommending, you know, who to volunteer, like who to, be to work with. You no, know, just, you know, recommending other organizations, which is part of the process that we're all in. I think, you know, recommending people, supporting people, providing that respect to people.
0: Yeah, that Quadrangle initiative is such a beautiful thing. And the mandate is beautiful. We did a big campaign last summer around pride with, we did sweatshirts and tank tops in support of Quadrangle. And they were mm-hmm. so gracious for what we did. And we've got to do it again. I, I, how close are they to the goal, would you say? Oh, a ways away, There's a ways unfortunately. Okay, yeah, we all ways need to go. To- I would like to put it out there then in this podcast that if you're planning initiatives in your workplace or with your friends and family, let's see what support we can give to Quadrangle because it is needed. Tell me about that statistic you just mentioned because I heard it recently and I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was absolutely alarming, the suicide rate in this well, se-
1: Like a seven-time higher suicide rate. So, I mean, like when we look at around the world, it's illegal to be part of the 2SLGBTQ community in 71 countries. Yeah. So when we travel, we talk about can we go here? Is it safe? Yeah. So most people don't have to have that conversation with their loved one. I just had one. goosebumps. Like, can we right? go here? Is it safe? That's not okay, right? So when you think about traveling, so like you know, I have friends now that are traveling right now, and it's like you know, they're they're friends, right? They're partners in life, but they're friends because yeah. you can't be safe in these in some of these countries that we go to, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, we just saw FIFA. Right. right. I was the, just like, going to bring that up.
0: I have a friend right? that's there right now. Yeah. Right. So,
1: that's you know, they're, yeah. You know, yeah. So like, you know, I think countries need to start looking at treating humans as humans um, and as and, and humans. It, it's just, you know, We're all humans. Yes. You know, we might have different gender identities or sexual orientations, but in, in, we're all humans at the end of the day, you know, how do we do better and how do we support people? Cause it really is about humanity
0: and supporting people. It's humanity and basic human survival needs like we need to be nurtured we need to be loved we need to feel yes. love we need to give love what does it matter who that individual is that we love or we want to love it's uh it's maddening when you look at the statistics isn't it and it's scary yeah. for for i think a lot about i mean it's it's really hard for people of our generation and i'm so proud to see somebody like you who not only survived it but found your safe space and now you're absolutely thriving and make a difference in the world. But for these kids that are afraid to come out are afraid to talk to somebody and don't feel like they have that support. It's heartbreaking. And I think when you and I met a few weeks ago, we, we discussed you had listened to the podcast episode I did with Felicia Newell, who one of her child one of her children are transgender. And Felicia is so beautifully invested in supporting her daughter, Nicole, and they are still, we're, we're still connected. And I just love watching the family. I just love seeing Nicole grow up, and everything is so, so lovely. But unfortunately, that's not the home life that all of these children have. No, absolutely. So, really, it starts with educating
1: adults, educating, um, you know, all the school systems don't look the same. You know, I'm a strong advocate for having gender neutral washrooms within schools and not all of our schools have them, unfortunately. Like that's something that has to work on. So I, I, I said to you know some of, some of the folks within school systems, imagine if you couldn't go all day long without eating something, without drinking something, because we all need a bio bathroom break. So tremendously important to look at that. It's, it's a basic
0: human need. It's a basic human need and to be stripped of that is not right. It's not okay absolutely.
1: And within workplaces as well like you know we have adults that are you know non-binary. we have adults who are transgender just if you have a gender neutral washroom uh, gender inclusive washroom like it's they're easy to make. They are very easy yeah yeah, right so just like make them you know connect in I say to people like you know I can help you with signage we can have conversations just education. it's it's small things that are huge rewards for people just a humanity of piece of it. So just a couple of statistics. So people ask about, you know, the work I do and what that looks like. So, you know, why is it important to me as a, as a, um, a person who owns a business? So you have, when you have diversity, equity and inclusion in your organization, you have a 22% greater productivity. Amazing. Right? That, that's like, big. wouldn't that
0: be worth it right there?
1: Absolutely. You have a 39% higher customer satisfaction.
0: Mm-hmm
1: right? Yeah. When people can be part, can be who they are or whatever that looks like, you know, they have a higher profitability of 27%. That's, that's big numbers, big finances. And the last one is lower turnover rates of 22%. So we're just coming out of pandemic and we see all the job ads because people are yes. jumping, right? People are jumping from one business to another business. And we ask why? Well, because they're looking for a couple of different things, flexibilities and home life balance, because I think millennials and Generation Zs, they have it, they, they know what this is. Whereas some yeah. of our generations, we don't know what it is, right? right? Like, so, so that's what they're looking for. They're yeah. also looking for businesses that have diversity, equity, and inclusion. They look to see on your homepage, what are you saying about this? What are your policies? You know, am I gonna belong within? And, and it's all about belonging. DEI is all about belonging, creating that safe space for people to belong. When yeah. you don't, people are gonna leave your organization. Right.
0: Yeah. And isn't like I, I think this is excellent education. And I hope that anybody listening to this today, I hope that we're hitting some business owners or leaders here because that's like that's your company. That's your first of all, it's your intrinsic success. You are mm-hmm. creating a safe space for people, but you can create a better workplace, a better work environment, and your overall company goals can be better achieved by doing this. Why would you not? <laughs> it's it's why would you make sense? I don't know. It's it's a great like. Like, that's the
1: question I say, well, well, if you're not going to do this, your company's going to be left behind and you're going to end up with huge, massive issues of, of yeah. everyone's just leaving. Um, bit of a funny story. So you talked about, you know, creating that safe, authentic space for people, which is so important. So when I worked in healthcare, I had a, a picture of myself, my wife on my on my desk. So I had this client came in and he was talking about his mom. His mom was doing, we had a great conversation and he said, I got to ask. And he pointed to the picture and that was my moment going, <gasps> What is he going to ask? Because I never know what people are going to ask when you have a picture of you and your wife on your desk. And he said, That's cool. You both play hockey. And of course, sigh of relief with me, right? That's cool. You both play hockey. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, What is he going to ask? Of course, I go flush red as like just waiting for it because you don't know. You don't know what people are going to think. But he thought it was the coolest thing. We both played hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and right? that was it. So yeah, it was it carried on in conversation. It was so normal. It's was like, "Woof!" There's so many things he could have said in that moment, right? That yeah. I would have been very uncomfortable with. But you know, I think we find allies in 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 the in the oddest of places sometimes. And this is, to me, I talk a lot about allyship and getting our straight cisgendered males on board with this because you know, two percent of CEOs are female, so which leaves ninety-eight percent of you know CEOs being identified as males. So when we look at this information, you know, we need allies. We need people to support us, to sponsor us, to mentor us within organizations. And that's tremendously important.
0: Yeah. What we need is more open minds. That's where it starts. More it open minds and open hearts, because yeah. we've this is the way of the world. And it's not that this is the way of 2022. This existed yeah. in 82. This existed yes. in 62 and 42, but it wasn't yeah. allowed to exist. And that's got yeah. to change this. we've We've got to do better. We've got to commit to learning and doing better.
1: And I think a part of that doing better came about, unfortunately, with the travesties of what happened in the U.S. with George Floyd, I think yes. that's when that was I think the push button when organizations started saying, what are we doing for people? You know, how do we do more? You know, who do we have in our organizations and, you know, what do we need to do better? And I think that's when people started to really say we're not doing a great job at some of these things and we need to start and start it. And that's when I think people started reaching out to me when they saw what I did. Is like you offer this. OK, we need this for employees because we need to understand more. You know, which yeah. is good when people start saying, we you know we need to do more when they're reaching out to you, not you reaching out to them. That's when I know organizations are getting it and they want that educational piece of it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I obviously don't know and can speak for companies, but I feel like most people hopefully want to do better in this space, but probably don't know where to start. Maybe they don't know that this is what diversity NL does the consulting yeah. piece and the, and the education piece and that kind of stuff. So I hope that we can get the word out through this. This is really, really important stuff. How do you, do you advertise? How do you, how do you get your, how do you get your noise out there? So I do a lot of cold
1: calls. Yeah. Go for you. <laughs> I, I do, you know, like cold calls in the sense of not, not calling people, but, I do a lot of emails. I do a lot of uh, work on LinkedIn. I'm surprised they haven't started charging me yet, to be honest, on LinkedIn, because (laughs) I have so many connections all over the world because I like seeing what people are doing and uh, what interesting things that we can bring to Newfoundland and Labrador to make us that safer space for people. Because it's funny, people always say, but then Newfoundland and Labrador, we're so kind, we're so generous, we're so these things, but I've I've experienced a not so generous piece working in healthcare. Sometimes the way that we treat people aren't, it's it's not to the standard. It needs to be that not rooted
0: in kindness. Always. It's,
1: it's, it's not, unfortunately, I'd say we're rooted in kindness when that's a great way to, to frame it. We're rooted in kindness when we know people are here for a short time. They're coming for a holiday. We're so kind to them. We'll give them directions. We'll make them feel you know certain way. That's the truth. We're not necessarily kind to each other on a day to day in and out basis. No, unfortunately not. So like you know, I love what you and your team did the weekend of acts of kindness. Just random acts of kindness downtown. Like this is what we need more of. Just it's a three sixty five. And I say to people, it's a three hundred sixty five days of the year. It's not. We're going to Pride this week. We're giving this week. It's, It's how do we do that on a on a daily basis? So how do we? put that within our cultures because it really is making it a shift in culture within organizations. That's a
0: great Yeah, that's an excellent point to really just uh, double down on here for a second for listeners, because I just said, I just, you know, we just talked about the need that Quadrangle has to have this community space. And then I said, we supported them last summer. We can do more. We can do something else. And the food banks after Christmas, they will still need support after Christmas. It's important that we keep these things in mind. Of course, it's wonderful and beautiful and and extremely impactful. What happens this time of year when everybody wants to give places, but we got to keep that roller coaster going. We got to keep that train and given all year round.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know it's, I I think that we, we feel more of a a kindness support, a draw this time of the year, because we hear all the jingles, we hear advertisements, we, you know, we got those Christmas songs on that just pour your heart out, like all those things are reminders. But I guess another thing is, is that not everyone's happy this time of the year. There's a lot of people going through a lot of sadness, a lot of loss, pandemic has been hurt on families, Mm -hmm. Um, just in general, and not everyone has a family, like, like, you know right. not everyone has families and if you're part of this community sometimes you haven't come out because you might have lost your family you know yeah. i've been very blessed by family that's completely supported me in every single way from my grandmothers who were in their 90s both of them to you know families and friends is just we have an amazing support network which we've formed and just i think i feel so blessed that i want to help others in that same situation yeah. um because you know not everyone has the rosiness as i do um, in, in, in my
0: life with just that amazing support. No. And I've heard from some of my members over the past couple of years since we've begun, because we're almost three years in now. And there's been a couple that reach out and just say, you know, I'm just dealing with some stuff. I really appreciate what we do in the community. It keeps me grounded and keeps me centered. And then sometimes they're asking me for a referral to Dr. Edison or, or other people like that. And, and a couple of times, more than once, probably three or four times there's been, you know, my child is transitioning and I just I just don't know what to say. Like I say the pronouns wrong and I'm upsetting them and I don't and, and so what advice would you give there to that parent who's just just not not accepting but having tru- like you know the old habits die hard kind of stuff. Like just having trouble with the language and with the the moving forward piece I guess. Yeah.
1: And you know, I think every parent and no doubt mine included when they found out that I was gay, I think it's always that thought of um, we're not gonna have grandkids. We're just about to have a wedding. It's all that feeling of loss, stuff, Yeah, hundred yeah. percent is that grief, as if someone's died, and it's because of that image that you had as them as a child, or as the way you you want certain things for your kids. Right. And I think you know if your your child is part of the two S L G B T Q, if 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 they're if you know if they're part of this community, that you know life might be harder, um, and it is you know, I'm not going to lie. It's No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. And, and there's, and there's different things they're going to have to overcome as they grow. Um, but the thing is always keep your door open. Always be open to conversations, yeah. invite their friends in, get to know who their group is. My parents, it was an open swinging door in our house. Like we all, we had friends in all the time. They had sleepovers. We had, you know, all sorts of engagements in our yard. It's just like my parents became our minivan. <laughs> they yeah. were our bus that took us places when we needed to go. So just, you know, having those honest conversations with your kids is I'm struggling with some of this. I love you, but always say you love and support that person. It doesn't matter, you know, what's going on. You still love and support that person. They're going to internally struggle with their loss and may need some counseling around that piece of it. hundred mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, percent. So there, there's lots of good, you know, counselors out there that deal with that piece of it, but always have that open door. That's the biggest thing is, you know, don't lose that piece of it right? Despite the fact that you're struggling, that always know your kids, you know, put little and, and, you know, uh, myself, my wife used to do this cute thing, just put little notes in their lunchbox. right? We used to do that to to each other, right? So just like little notes that, you know, I I know it's probably
0: support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just that piece is so important. And what I would hear in those messages was like, not only was it, was it tricky, but consumed with guilt that it was tricky, like feeling bad that it was a little tough. And I think what you just said, there was a real key message in that, get, get the counseling, talk it out, get the help that you need. It's okay to, to, to find it hard. It's okay. But you know, some of the best things that ever happen in life are hard when we get to the other side of it. Unfortunately, life
1: can be hard for many different people, harder for some than others. Um, yep. So it kind of goes back to that. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Wheel of Power and Privilege by Sylvia Duckworth. Yep. So it's, you know, like where are our powers and privileges and how can we use them to do better? Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a white, cisgender, uh, queer woman, um, you know, my a settler. So like, how can I do better within the communities that I function in? Like, you know, what does that look like for me? You know, what doors can I open for people? Because I can get through certain doors which other people can't. And I, I always invite people into that space, all that, that piece of it. So like, you know, what can we do to better that community uh, and the communities that we serve? Because, you know, we all have clients, we all have friends, we all have people that we think a lot of. So like, what does that pain point look like for them? How can we help? How can we use interrupters in everyday conversation? So you're at the grocery store, you see someone that's potentially not from Newfoundland and Labrador, right? You might hear an accent, you might hear different things that are cues, they might have, um, you know, different issues, understanding, you know, someone that's checking them in. So, and unfortunately, lots of microaggressions happen. So for us to be able to speak up and speak out to help people out, that's a piece of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not easy. I know I kind of witnessed something that that hurt my heart a little bit at the grocery store a couple of weeks ago. And the person, um, the cashier was definitely not, you know, not from Newfoundland, had a very strong accent. And the person that he was serving, as soon as he spoke, he was like, what? I can't understand you. I can't understand, like very, very rude. And he slowed down his speech and he was, I mean, it was clear to me, but it was just very unkind. So, I mean, I did my best to double down on the kindness next, but I couldn't undo what somebody did with their unkindness. Yeah. Not
1: yeah, that. I, yeah. And and I guess, you know, you know, sometimes I've, it kind of depends sometimes on the days that some of us are having some of those days. And I've seen that too. And I said, Hey, like, it's okay. Like, you know, just trying to make it better, you know, and yeah, Some of us are probably fixers. I'm definitely a fixer. I know I'm a fixer. Yeah, I'm a fixer. Right. So like, how do we help in those situations and scenarios? Um, Some are more blatant than others, but a lot of microaggressions happen to people. Um, Slights, different intentional or unintentional behaviors or things get said. Um, So that's that kindness factor again, like try to be kind. Kindness has to happen. Um, So in those moments, so if you're thinking something, um, you know, you're rushed for time. You're at the cash and the person's a little bit slower checking you in, just kind of check yourself. Like that's not, you know, this might be their
0: first day on the
1: job. Yeah. We don't Especially
0: know. Especially this time of year. Oh, yes. So very important because there's a lot of that going around. And then I always say, um, you know, where there's anger, there's pain too, right? So the person, even that's coming out with these microaggressions, they could be trying to figure out how they're going to have groceries in their house this week or something like that. There's a lot of people dealing with a lot of things. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, we can we can do our best to be kind along the way. I think that one of the foundational things, probably that we've discussed here, is when whether it's a friend or it's a child in your life or anybody who is in this community and trying to find the safe space to be who they are, it's important to be that anchor, be that calm blue ocean, be that person that like unwavering support, even just general. Teenage things that I've been seeing in my parenting career in the last couple of years, just general teenage changes. It's just what we've found is effective. It's just forced time, more time together, more talking, more space, more openness, more treating them like an individual, like one on one. You're not just a child that I'm going to bark orders at. We, you have a voice and let's talk about it. And there's nothing that you can say that will ever upset me or make me feel disappointed in you. Like, just let's just hear it all out. It's important, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're individuals that are going to grow up and they're going to learn from you as a parent or you as a teacher or you as a, uh, you know, a boss, like how, how do I, how do I know how to act? Right. Like we're, we're yeah. they're sponges, you know, teens and youth are sponges. They're taking it all in and yeah. they're learning from us as adults, the good, the bad, the ugly. So try to make it more good than the bad and the ugly. So look at that piece of it. What does that look like?
0: Yeah. And knowing about uh, how you respond <laughs> and that you can, like Victor Frankl says, there's power in the space between the stimulus and the response and make sure that you use that in a way that can ultimately change the narrative, change the world, make people feel better. Absolutely. Language really does matter. Like be careful of the language that we're
1: using. You know, I, I know that, you know, at times I'm, I'm, I do a lot of corrections in our home sometimes, which I'm driving people completely up the wall with my corrections of, of you know they them there for different people that we're talking about in a good way and you know it could be music or it could be you know people that we know but just you know just using the proper pronouns using the proper language and um, keeping it really uh, light just try try looking at the words that we use within organizations so for instance I worked with a, a tech company. And the word guys, I put it out there. How do you feel about the word guys? Because there was there was, there was, there was one individual female identified as female in this room, and I said, I don't know about you, but I don't overly like the word guys because sometimes it feels like I'm not being talked to, that I'm not part of that group. Yeah. Um, so we had a big conversation about it, and within the conversations, you know, it was a dollar jar. So every time you you, you said guys, you actually owed a, do- a buck. <laughs> so anyway, they they came up with this uh, page, and everyone would write it down during the meeting 15 minute meeting you have no idea how many times the word guys got used got you used guys i say guys that. right so does this it
0: is, that's, this is good gender, as well.
1: is it gender diverse though do people like that word i don't know like, Yeah. I, don't, I guess it
0: depends on how people right? perceive it in a way yeah. To, yeah
1: yeah so like same as when you go to something formal every time i hear ladies and gentlemen like please stop using that use you know, good evening, everyone. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Or how are y'all doing? Depending on what st- twang you want to use or right. folks, right? F o so l x, f o l k s, whatever way you want to say it or, or spell it. So there's all, all different ways that we can use our language in a positive way to make everyone feel included because people may not feel included when you're not putting that diversity piece or
0: that lens on it. These are excellent tips that I think a lot of people probably don't, you don't, you don't often, you don't always have that level of self-awareness in these spaces with these words and language is so important. I know I would never want to say something that made somebody feel not included. And this is good. This is really good information for us to have. So you talked a minute ago about um, in your home, you do a lot of corrections. Can you show me what that conversation would look like? Like, how is a good, you know, I want to be able to, I'm definitely receptive to being corrected, but how do I support and correct somebody in the right way? Right. So you say if your husband or one of your kids uses the word guys,
1: you say, well, how about let's, let's talk about that word. Like, let's, let's do it like, in my home, they don't always like my mini education sessions I'm doing, by the way, but it doesn't always go over as a hit, but <laughs> you, you know, we're creating conversation. Like this is me creating conversation with my parents, right? right? Who are in their 70s. Right. Like, let's try not to use the word guys. Or, you know, I'll, I'll you know, if there's a, a comment made about something, I'm like, well, you know, that's not funny. Like, we need to like it's right. they're called racism ruptures. Like, I didn't think you felt that way, or did I hear you right? So these are certain things that we can say to create conversation with. Whether that's their kids, whether that's their parents, whether that's coworkers, to, to call racism interrupters or just interrupters. How do we interrupt conversation when we hear things that are being said? Like whether that's racist comments, homophobic jokes, what does that look like? Just saying, can you tell me more about that thought?
0: Yeah. It's more about something basic. That. Or, yeah, what's or, funny about that? What you know, what do you find funny about that?
1: Yeah. So and they are tough things and they're awkward things to say, but like trying to, you know, teach people right? So say, say if someone has a pronouns, they, them, or there, and someone keeps on saying she or her, or he, and I go, they, they, their, he, you know what I mean? Like, I like, I'll, I'll just go that, right. And then leave it at that. I don't have to say anything else. And then they, then that person knows that they've used the wrong pronoun.
0: Right. And I think that I was actually in a room where that conversation happened and it was right around the, um, I don't know what program it was on TV that Kelly Loader was a part of. Mm-hmm. And then somebody kept saying she, and then somebody else kept saying they, Kelly. Yes. Kelly's yes. pronouns are they. And yes. it was excellent because everybody then knew that, which probably mm-hmm. we probably didn't before that. So I right. like that. I like being educated. Correct me <laughs> all day long. <laughs> right. <laughs> good to know,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, put it out to your wellness group in the mornings. I don't know if you, if, if. If you've, uh, you know, when, when you're doing your workouts, do you say, come on guys, one more, two more, we can do this. this probably okay. do. I right? probably do. Right. But you know, that's okay. But just knowing that does everyone that's part of your, your, your wellness group, does everyone feel okay? Um, yeah. Do they, I don't know, do a check-in Yeah, people will say yes or no. It'd be interesting to do a poll. Like do people like it that? Hurt? Like, you know, like what are their thoughts on that? Yeah.
0: I I say friends a lot. I yeah, say, okay, friends, sure. let's go. Or you, I always say you beautiful humans because that's one of my yeah. favorite phrases. <laughs> yes, But I absolutely. definitely say guys more than I realized I did until we talked about this. Great reminder. I think,
1: I don't know if this is a Newfoundland Labrador thing or not. I don't know, but I don't hear other people saying it as much when I'm in other places. What about places. boys? <laughs> Probably not.
0: It's very, it's obviously, you know, feels like boys, but it's yeah. also very slangy. Who knows what it means? <laughs> it it is i would stick with the everyone friends y'all yes beautiful
1: people beautiful friends or friends or all that language definitely definitely it's, it's more inclusive right definitely more inclusive absolutely yeah
0: this has been i feel like we probably haven't even scratched the surface but this has been such a great conversation and and a lot of tips for me and i'm sure a lot of our listeners is there anything that you'd like to add to leave us with today
1: um, I guess if people are struggling with language, if they're struggling with different things, you know, reach out, connect in, we can all do better. I'm, I make lots of mistakes on a daily basis, despite the fact that I'm doing this work. You know, I always catch myself and go, okay, I shouldn't have said that, or I need to change that language. Just, you know, we can do better. And I think just acknowledging that every organization has a ways to go with diversity, equity, and inclusion, but ultimately belonging is your goal. I think give yourself room, give yourself space to learn. Um, you know, start looking at podcasts. You know, like look at your podcast that you did with, you know, with that, with that um, Felicia. That, yeah, with Felicia. I mean, that was amazing to me. I heard it and said, "Wow, impactful!" Right? Yeah. As a parent, being so open, so welcoming, right? Yes. And and she was vulnerable, very vulnerable. And yeah, for a lot of us, that vulnerability, um, it's really hard because vulnerability and shame. Brene Brown. If you ever read any of her stuff yeah. talking about mm-hmm. shame, it's tough when we look at. Where did some of our negative thoughts come from? It's places of shame within our bodies, within, you know, how we look, you know, how images, you know, portray that way we're supposed to to look as people. So some of that frustrations comes from a place of of shame and and vulnerability. And just like we might snap at someone because nothing what they said, for some reason that just came out, that was a tipping point that came out at that point in time. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. Oh, this was so very good. So if people want to connect with you, want to hear more about what you have to say and what diversity NL does, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So Stephanie at diversitynl.com. reach out, connect in on LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, I'm also on Facebook. So excellent. I don't think I mentioned your last name earlier. So Stephanie Howlett on LinkedIn and Facebook and, um, you are my favorite new best friend and I'm so glad that we have connected. <laughs> I think we can do more together. I don't know what or what it will look like, but I think, I feel like this is just the beginning of our conversations uh, with both of our audiences. So thank Absolutely. you for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much, Jill. My new bestie. I can't wait for us to get more like real life in-person selfies, hopefully soon. <laughs> Absolutely. I <Alrighty. laughs> you're also really great at pouring lovely glasses of wine as well. Oh,
1: absolutely. That's my second, my
0: second trade. (laughs) That's your second greatest talent. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you everybody for listening in again today for the, for the well of it podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a positive review and rating and also sharing is caring. It's important that we get today's message out. So please share this episode on your favorite social media platform. I promise to keep the inspiration coming, keep things real for the well of it.